0: It's one of the great cultural events of Aotearoa New Zealand, certainly one of the longest established, the New Zealand International Film Festival. But the last three years have been a challenge. First, the loss of its hugely capable director, the late Bill Godston. Then COVID, which decimated the festival's income two years in a row. Since then, things have got even rockier with critical resignations. A heavily reduced programme this year, which sees screenings in only four centres compared to 2023's. 15. And this week, the belated introduction of a brand new artistic director from Italy. Simon Morris finds out what's going on. For
1: decades, the Midwinter Film Festival has offered us
0: the best new films from all over the world
1: drama, documentaries, animation, children's programmes, old classics, and the indiscreet charm of Ant Incredibly Strange section. But now it seems a shadow of its former self. It's been rocked by some major resignations, including Ant Timpson himself, Sandra Reed for nearly thirty years, Bill Goslin's deputy programmer, Malcolm Turner and Nick Marshall, respectively in charge of animation and children's films, and Vicky Ho, the China and East Asia specialist. Well, this week, two major announcements. A new artistic director, Paolo Bertolin, and a severely curtailed programme playing in just four centres this year. Well, with just four months to go before the festival, the clock is clearly ticking. Well, I'm joined by the chair of Whānau Marāma, the New Zealand International Film Festival, Catherine Fitzgerald. Hi, Catherine. Hi. Well, let's go back. I mean, let's go back to about three or four years ago, where the festival was both hugely successful and, I believe, solvent, though I believe it's a bit more complicated than that.
2: (laughs) It's a not-for-profit charitable trust,
1: so profit doesn't exactly come into it.
2: Profit doesn't come into it um, over many years, for sure. There were tiny surpluses, mm. not always enough to get us through from festival to festival. Um, but you to say that we're not solvent is completely wrong.
1: I'm saying that they were solvent prior to that. I'm not saying that they're not solvent. We wouldn't
2: be here if we weren't solvent. Right, absolutely.
1: The one thing that I do remember is that for the last three or four years that Bill was uh, in charge of things, he was always very pleased to announce that the numbers had gone up as far as viewers are concerned. It was hugely successful, obviously. And then... Disaster. I mean, one of the disasters, obviously, being Bill um, Bill re- resigning, re- retiring, basically, and also COVID, you know, and then that was a huge blow, obviously.
2: You're right. Um, Bill's illness and um, retiring. And I have to say, he hadn't built a succession plan. No. Um, despite the board having regularly asked for one. Right. Um, well, and, yeah, I mean, did... and COVID... You know, you, I don't know why people have started to think that COVID ha- ha- was just a blip. COVID has rocked all aspects of our society and frankly impacted every year, 2020, 2021, 2022 and 2023, all differently. So mm. we have been rolling with punches um, and it was certainly compounded by losing Bill at a critical time. And to be fair, when we appointed Martin Raberts and Bill was involved in that appointment, Mm. um, I had said to Bill, you know, you will be replaced by more than one person. And the objective there was to enhance the programming team because uh, you mentioned that Sandra was t- Bill's 2IC. Um, Not- actually, Michael has been Bill's 2IC for. Mm. Michael McDonnell has right. been in the job for over 20 years, worked with Bill literally at his side mm. in the next desk for That's more right. than 20 years.
1: Whereas Sandra tended to be fluffing around in uh, Europe, didn't she, for most of the time? Occasionally.
2: Um, she, mm. she was certainly a much valued part time person mm. who attended, I um, don't think she's ever been to Venice. She's certainly in recent years attended Cannes quite regularly, and Mm. she has from time to time, um, especially since Bill decided going to Berlin was too cold in the winter. She's gone to Berlin, but so has Michael attended Berlin. Mm. Usually Bill and Michael were too busy to attend Cannes, but of course we've always... um, a big bulk of our programme has come from the Khan programme and we're one often the first festival in the world to be screening films out of Khan, although Sydney, since it moved, is also screening films straight out of Khan.
1: Right, so you're saying that perhaps the hit that's been taken by these five resignations has perhaps been slightly overstated? Is that what you're saying?
2: We hugely value all of these people. Mm. They have been involved for... An extremely long time.
1: Right. Well, I mean, I, mean, I know that Sandra's car- been there for 30 years as far as I can see, or nearly 30 years. <laughs>
2: She's been there 30 years. Um, and, you know, for somebody who joins a festival in their late 30s, it's amazing to have 30 years that you have an association. Mm-hmm. Um, Anne Thompson, I'm pretty sure we celebrated um, 30 years of Incredibly Strange last year. That was Absolutely incredible. I'm, um, I'm
1: astonished too. That's
2: right. um, Nick has been part of running a, a strand for children for 20 years. So there's been very set strands. I right. think that, um, but the and Martin bought Vicky Hohen, so that was a real Martin find. Martin so that was, was fantastic. A, right,
1: um, Martin was an interesting case in a way because he he's an expat New Zealander, but he's lived most of his time in Europe, and I wonder whether he came in with a different idea of what the festival was, or maybe the festival was set in its ways. Which way would you say?
2: I would say that the festival had got very set in its ways, Mm. but for certain um, 2020, as you may remember, um, when COVID hit the world, Mm. that hugely impacted um, on what films were available for a festival. So what we had to look at, and of course that was in March, was Mm. pivoting to an online festival. What nobody could have predicted was that by June... New Zealand would be COVID-free and everyone wanted to go back into cinemas. So the f- all around the world, all the big festivals had been postponed or cancelled. So the films, the supply of films was greatly reduced. Right. And I can speak for myself as a producer with a film that was due to come out in those times. We held it back um, till we thought we would be able to screen in cinemas. And so the number of films that were available for an online program in 2020 was very limited. Mm. Um, as you will remember, the big films from the studios were just disappeared and it gave a wonderful opportunity to New Zealand films. We had New Zealand films performing out of the park because there was no competition from big studio blockbusters.
1: I remember that, yeah. yeah. And it coincided with a rather a good batch of New Zealand films as well which always helps.
2: Well I mean there are lots of lots of great New Zealand films that don't get a chance when they're in competition with the big studio films so it really gave some New Zealand films a real opportunity to shine. So I wouldn't um, underestimate the impact of the kinds of films that were available and they were films that were available online but we had challenges Both that year, we had 2021, we had the Auckland lockdown, which is pretty much, you know, half Half of where all our tickets come from. 2022 was just six months after the 2021 one, so that was limited what was available. Um, Last year, we uh, tried to launch what was what we would have said pre COVID was normal, Um, but we certainly found that COVID was still impacting audience ticket-buying behaviour, people's willingness to go to big spaces and come together.
1: And the amount of and people you're allowed to have in a, in a theatre as well. Last mm-hmm.
2: year, not really. Uh, um, no, we were allowed I, to be there. right? But whether people wanted to be there, that, that mm. was the change. And, and actually, I think um, we did a lot of audience research last year and the year before mm. and loud and clear what came back from our audience is that a festival is not just seeing a film. Mm. And in fact, what people learned is that they can do that in their living room. And I've got much better at that. As streamers have replaced TV, you'll find that people watch films at home. Well, what this... they're looking for from a film festival
3: is, the social... is
2: actually an in-person, in-cinema with lots of other people. There is nothing more exciting mm. Than for me, last year, watching the Wes Anderson film um, at the Civic with pretty much a full house, mm. like when 1,800 people are laughing, it's infectious. Yeah. It's an amazing experience, and that is what a festival means to people, watching past lives in the Civic with so many people there and then being able to hear from the director who was there and available Um for an extended session in the Wintergarten. So, you know, I think that what the festival means is festive and celebration and being able to share the experience. That is what the film festival is all about.
1: Well, I was going to ask you to define the film festival and you've pretty much done it. But in fact, the content of the film festival is the film festival is kind of interesting because it's a blend. It's a balance between you know, I guess popular-ish films, certainly po- films by well-known directors like Wes Anderson, like the Coen Brothers, like Nicole Holofcener, something like that. And also edgy, mad things like the Soda Jerk ladies last, re- last year, who I absolutely adored. And occasionally bits of retro, interesting docos. It's a very interesting balancing m- match. And yes. it's very much... <sighs> We're so used to it being the personality of the programmer. Bill's put his his stamp on that thing for nearly 40 years and it makes it very difficult for anybody else. Last year you did an experiment with saying, well, let's not have a director. Let's just do it without... That we'll just do it ourselves. Well, you know, Sally can manage it, and we'll it'll all be sort of sorted.
2: I'm not quite sure that that's the right spin on it.
1: Give me a better spin, because that's how it came across.
2: We had we have an experienced programming team. You do, and we have an experienced team who actually produce the festival. We didn't decide not to have a director. Mm. Actually, getting a director was a huge challenge we were very aware of how challenging it is to find a director because of course we'd advertised when bill retired after 40 years and i would have to say that gave us a very good idea of who was out there and who was interested um i would also say that when you advertise a position like that and that's true of all the positions we advertise you know, the vast numbers of applications from around the world, from people who are um, experienced in being a porter in a hotel, is a huge job. Mm. So, you know, on the whole, advertising is not really how these kind of positions get um, appointed. Um,
1: are you saying it's word of mouth or just There is word of mouth, relationships knowing who's
2: available, but more important than anything else was knowing what it is, what are the key criteria. And I would have to say that last um, open advertising pro- process did tell us that we needed to be much clearer about that criteria. And the criteria very much requires somebody with real, um, international and proven on multiple fronts programming experience. And I guess that I talked about succession planning. Um, The way we've chosen to go is year one of trying to rebuild is to actually look for that succession planning to bring people through who have more experience to expand the programming team um, and those who are learning about programming. One of the most exciting things for me last year was how many under thirties, under twenty fives, actually that were coming to the festival. They were loving it. But um, with respect, uh, we don't have that voice at the moment in our programming team,
1: or in on the board, frankly. <laughs>
2: Well, we've done a big succession planning exercise on the board Mm. and um, have been renewing the board. So our new board members definitely are a next generation.
1: I mean, it's interesting you were talking about the fact that young people were really excited about the Mm. festival. And that's frankly because... They'd never been, you know, I mean, they'd had four years off, you know, before that they were at school. It's just not a thing that they would tend to do. Mm-hmm. It's very much a thing generated in a sense that university I always found the film festival. That's certainly how I remember well, we, it it.
2: Well, I'm sure that um, the people you've been talking to have told you that we've done quite extensive strategic planning days mm-hmm. with our wider team, our core team, wider team and the board. And all talking together. And one of the things that really impressed me was that every single one of us, from whatever decade we came from, right. felt we had personally discovered the festival for ourselves. Absolutely. And actually, you know, with some of them you go, but surely your parents went to the film festival? And they go, oh yeah, they probably did. But it was when I discovered the program for the first time and I opened it. And with our flatmates, we all sat around and looked at all the films that were on offer and figured out what we could go to, what we could afford, how we would prioritise. And that actually is something that is a real tribute to the festival. Um, And that's the exciting thing. And we do want to be supporting and encouraging that new audience.
1: One thing I do know, every time I go to the launch of the festival, which is usually about the only time I can get to go and see it because the rest of the time I've got to go and see Batman. But, you know, it's astonishing to me where I see an entire room full of people who don't normally go to the movies that I go to for a day job. And they, they go once a year, where they're allowed to go... To a Mongolian movie, into a thing from Latvia and so some... I
2: dispute that actually, Simon. Um, I would say that one of the great um, achievements that that we can attribute to Bill was that he created, um, and before him Lindsay Shelton, actually. Mm, true. Um, so Lindsay Shelton, then Bill through the 70s and 80s created an audience for the independent circuit. Well, he, and... made, he
1: made them not just sort of impressive and improving, but he made them hugely fun, and they are hugely fun if you go to them. you know? Well, yes,
2: but I would say that the reason we have one of the most um, successful independent uh, um, range of cinemas in New Zealand mm. is because there's an audience that does go to the um, various independent cinemas around the country, and... Um, regularly, keeps them alive. And I'd have to say all of those venues, our venue partners, have also had a really difficult time, whether it's our venue partners, whether it's our distributor partners. Mm. um, COVID has hit us all incredibly hard. Um, The cost of living is a real thing. Um, The value, uh, we haven't been putting tickets up at the rate other people have. Mm. And I guess this year, what we would really love is to attract people to buy, to be able to buy multiple tickets and get that festive feeling. There's a real joy, isn't there, that when you, what I get at the festival is you can see five films in a week that weirdly you wouldn't have, no, would not have expected all kind of reference each other and fill out a way of looking at the world that you never expected. They could be a documentary, they could be a fiction film, Mm. they could be something short, they could be something long, but the nature of the festival where you're going every day is so inspiring to the way you rethink and reframe your own world.
1: Let's look at what's happening this year because, I mean, when you announced it yesterday, it was a bit of a surprise. I wasn't quite sure whether you were going to announce we're pulling the plug this year or you're introducing a white night. Well, it was the white night. in fact. You said that there will be a, a festival, but it will only be the main centres, the full main centres, won't it?
2: At this stage, we are mm. definitely talking um, to many centres that have been... Um, very supportive of the festival. Um, however, we can only do what we can afford to do. Right. So we need to make it work for both our partners and regional centres and, and ourselves.
1: And the other half of the uh, the announcement, basically, was the um, introduction of Paolo Bertolin. Now, it turns out I actually interviewed him around about 10 years ago. I'd completely forgotten. I looked him up and he was um, he was working at that stage for Venice, for the Venice Film Festival. And he was—he had an interesting thing to say. He said that at Venice, every three years they throw out the, the entire people running it, and they get a whole new team in. Do you think that that's? Do you think that may be the way he's thinking now, or is it too soon to say?
2: He definitely won't be thinking um, that way. That's that. That's your job. May relate to um, Venice, but it's not how he's thinking. He's certainly thinking um, collaboration. Um, I would have to say that it has been extremely disappointing for us to have all those programming strand people resign at relatively short notice without us knowing. Let's touch um, on We that. were looking forward to them being part and of, a, of this programming team. Did you ask
1: them why they'd resign? I mean, was there any attempt to get to get them to not resign?
2: <laughs> Beg them to stay? Um, If people want to resign, when people send a resignation letter, they've
1: resigned. Mm, Even so, five in a row is kind of a lot. I mean, was there something... Do you know why they did it, or does it, you know... You'd have
2: to ask them, wouldn't you? Right. And they've put long explanations in social media. We certainly were very sorry. We didn't really have the chance to discuss it before they went online and announced... Um, their long uh, association we will be celebrating each of them um, because there's a lot they've contributed over the years Mm. Um, doing it overnight we didn't actually have um, sort of bios and uh, you know thank you reports that you would normally have I mean I know that uh, lots of organisations I work with, those people who are likely to be uh, departing this planet, um, you mm. do have a bio all sorted for them. I'm sure you do here. Mm. Um, but n- we didn't expect them to n- not wish to be part of the way the festival is going. They'd been involved in the stri- tr- strategic planning sessions. Mm. Um, they'd been invited to give us feedback. The overwhelming message that came back from our programming team is that they wanted an artistic director.
1: Right, well, here's one, you know. Mm. Well, let's find out about... Uh, I'd have to say
2: they resigned prior to hearing that there was going to be an artistic director. Right,
1: absolutely. Well, I mean, you're right. It sounds to me like... I would say
2: there's certainly, you know, we have made sure that the door is not closed to each of them as we've Mm. been in touch with them personally.
1: Well, it sounds to me as if further down the track, it might be a good idea to maybe get them in and get hear what they have to say, you know. But, you know, let, whether they want to go public on this or not is another issue. Tell me about Paolo. I mean, his, uh, um, his background, he seems to be connected with an awful lot of other festivals. He was, I mean, I remember him from Venice. He's done some work with Cannes. He's done some work with Rotterdam. What's his programming background? Most of his his stuff seems to be... He seems to be more better known as a film critic, in a way, than as a um, a festival programmer. Uh,
2: well, no, he's part of a programming team, mm. and the way that works is that you are viewing, viewing films, sourcing films. Mm. Um, a programmer is actually almost invariably finding out what films will be coming up over the next two or three years. Mm. That's one of the roles of people who are going out to all the different... Um, countries that they source, but then they all come together, they watch the program, they discuss the program. So people who are part of those programming teams, like whether it was um, somebody like Marianne Redpath from Berlin Mm. or Paolo, um, what they do is they're very much part of a programming team, and that's the model. So there's a lot of experience Um, in figuring out what films for what audiences um, and how you present a film in a way that will make people curious to see it. Mm. Um, That was one of Bill's great talents, um, but it's actually anybody who works in those big um, organisations definitely uh, about presenting films to the public. There's a misapprehension for people who come from New Zealand as a filmmaker or as a critic or as a programmer even and go to, say, Berlin or Venice or Cannes and um, think, well, it's all industry. Mm -hmm. However, all of those festivals have ticket-buying members of the public. You know, it always strikes me in Berlin when you see... Berliners lined up in huge queues to buy their tickets. In yeah. Cannes, and especially of late, mm. um, when I first had a program, uh, a short film in Cannes, which was over 20 years ago, um, we got wheeled, saw the same programme, um, I think 12 times in a week. Wow. So we got wheeled all over the show. So when you're in central Cannes, you see the big palais and you see the um, special um, uh, cinema for the Directors' Fortnight and for the Critics' Week. But when you actually have a film, you take it to festivals. There are screenings and cinemas all over Cannes and they're, attemp- they're attended by French people. Um, and what Cannes has done in the last few years is that when the market finishes they actually open up um, the competition films as a programme so that um, French citizens who are not members of the society or whatever can actually buy themselves access a ticket to go to reruns of all the competition films. So it's very audience-focused. So all of these festivals are audience-focused and they're all thinking about how do we honour the names that have established themselves, and often through our own festival, and how do we find that new talent? So I guess they're always looking for new talents, new ways of looking at the world, and they are equally honouring the Ken Loaches who is still making films.
1: Absolutely. Two very quick questions. One, Paolo, is, his, his background is Venice, essentially. His background is Europe, and particularly Italy. Do you think it's a drawback that he's got? He doesn't, I mean, he's not used to the New Zealand way of the sort of films that would appeal to New Zealanders? Do you think that's Uh, an issue? He's
2: very familiar with the um, programming of the past 10 years. Mm. As you will remember from his interview with you in 2013, um, he had been looking through the programme and remarking on which films were showing and was very impressed by it. So he has been coming here pretty much every year to find out what films, New Zealand films are coming up. Um, It's easy to think of Europe as over there. Mm. Um, These programmers are travelling the world and I've met Paolo over the years in um, Korea and Macau and India um, and Australia and all the festivals at Australia at the Asia-Pacific Screen Awards, he's a member of the Academy of Asia-Pacific Films. Mm. Um, so it's not just European, and he hasn't lived in Europe for a long time.
1: Right, okay. I mean, but... I think
2: he's been based in Thailand, but whether he's ever home, I don't know.
1: <laughs> so just to wrap up, you're confident that the festival will go ahead this year, obviously. I mean, you've announced it. So it's three months to go. I mean, are you satisfied with how far along the track you are right now?
2: Of course. We have a full-time team. Um, I would have to say the people who have been programming strands, definitely they come on board about now, probably March, April. Mm. They will have been looking for films, but they, they have been responsible for, for relatively small um, parts of the program. I'd have to say Michael has been at Sundance Online. That means not all the films are available, but definitely sourcing films. He's been talking to Paolo. They've been discussing what will be at Berlin. Um, Sandra was at the IDFA at the end of last year. Most of the films um, are firmed up in the next few months, but we also have a team that is a full-time team that is completely focused on the production side of the festival, uh, they don't stop working. They're full-time. So there is a full-time team, and they are negotiating everything. Um, It's not a standing start in April.
1: So we'll have a program by about June.
2: That's what we normally do and we normally feed a few choice bits and pieces before that and I think you can count on that this year and I hope you will look forward to talking to Paolo and the rest of the team about what they are programming.
0: That was Catherine Fitzgerald, Chair of Fano Marama, New Zealand International Film Festival, speaking to Simon Morris. Following the recording of that interview with Ms. Fitzgerald on Friday, a former programmer who resigned, Malcolm Turner, gave a statement to uh, RNZ. Mr. Turner, who is Australia-based, had been the festival's animation programmer for twenty-five years. He says it wasn't a resignation, in as much as the confirmation of the role remained unconfirmed, while the board continued. Continue to investigate the viability of being able to stage an event this year. He says usually by late February the outlines of the animation programs have t- typically been decided upon and the down and dirty work is well underway. But so far none of that work has even begun and the logistical essentials don't seem to register with the current governance structure at NZIFF. That was compounded by a range of significant frustrations that have been building for several years. Uh, that was animation programmer Malcolm Turner. Uh, Catherine Fitzgerald, the chair of the NZ IFF, has since responded to Mr Turner's comments specifically, saying on Tuesday this week he advised the NF uh, NZFFT board and general manager that due to the programming scope for NZIFF 2024 not yet having been determined, he wished to have his name removed as animation programmer for the festival. We acknowledge the work Malcolm undertook with the festival over the past 28 years. Programming will be determined by the new Artistic Director and the NZIFF Paulo will be interested in discussing opportunities with Malcolm in due course. Uh, That was uh, the statement in response to Mr Turner's words, uh, the statement there from Catherine Fitzgerald, the chair of NZIFF.